This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be having so much fun, and we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart. And so please join us in welcoming Howard Tierski to our program today. Welcome, Howard. Thanks. Hey, Deb. How's it going? Glad to, glad to be here. It is going just fantabulous. Um, let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will dive into this. So Howard Tiersky is the Wall Street Journal best-selling author of Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance. Howard is the founder of two companies that enable large brands to win in the digital world. One is from the Digital Transformation Agency, and the other is Innovation Loft. So again, Howard, welcome. Thank you so much. Great, great. Well, you know, I I always love talking to my guests and finding out how they got to where it is, where they are today. So, give us a little bit of information and tell us how you discovered that this is your passion in life. Sure. Well, my I um my initial passion was theater. Okay. And I went to school uh, to study theater directing, mm-hmm. and I did that professionally for a, a little while, but. Mm-hmm. In parallel with that, I got very interested in computer graphics. Okay. I was doing a lot of work with computer graphics in mm-hmm. the very early era. This is the 90s, mm-hmm. Photoshop 2.0, uh, Macro Mind Director, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, when we were making CD-ROMs and Laserdisc shows and things like that before the internet. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that work uh, in, in addition to my theater directing, which, you know, especially at the beginning, is not a particularly lucrative career. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing a lot of uh, corporate work, doing uh, mm-hmm. computer graphics and, and multimedia. And mm-hmm. uh, so I was sort of in that place uh, at the time that the internet really became commercialized. Okay. And so I, I started to get pulled in at very large companies uh, to help advise on their first internet sites, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. At a time when companies were trying to understand, I would go in and present what is the internet and why okay. would it be relevant to a business? People right. would say, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Universities, like why would we want to be mm-hmm. on the internet? 
And now it seems like an absurd question, but back then it was perfectly reasonable. So I've been doing that all this time since then. Uh, and of course, it was been a fantastic ride. I just sort of having been in the right place at the right time, mm -hmm. I got the opportunity to combine together things that I was really enthusiastic about mm -hmm. that had led me to the theater, which is to say technology and mm -hmm. storytelling, engaging an audience, you know, mm -hmm. these are all, and working with multidisciplinary teams, mm -hmm. including people more on a creative side and a technical side and, and even a business side, because mm -hmm. theater also is a business. You right. have to attract an audience, et cetera. So mm -hmm. I found that many of the things that I, I loved about theater were also present in this digital world with the mm -hmm. added element that I could actually make a living at it. So uh, I wound up, you know, it's fast forward to today. I mean, it's hard to believe mm -hmm. that so many years I've been doing this now for, uh, you know, 27 years or something like that, mm -hmm. working in this digital world as it's gone from this relatively obscure additional thing mm -hmm. a company might do to just be on the internet, mm -hmm. hardly core to their business, mm -hmm. to something which entire businesses are built around mm -hmm. and businesses which fail to prioritize sufficiently mm -hmm wind up being irrelevant and very often going out of business, no matter how large or successful they may have once been. Right. You know, and, and I always love it when businesses tell me, oh, I'm I'm brick and mortar. I don't need a website. You know, how many times when we're getting ready to go to a brick and mortar place, do we type them in? You know, even if it's just where the heck are they located? So mm -hmm. if you don't have at least a basic presence, you're in serious trouble. Well, I think that there's no question that's true. And it, it probably goes beyond that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, look what happened during COVID. Right. If you weren't able to do online pickup mm -hmm. in the store, mm -hmm. if you're a restaurant, you weren't able to deliver. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have a digital connection to your customer, very often that meant you were out of business. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why COVID accelerated the mm -hmm. sort of digital transformation of the world so much. Right. I think, I think that today our customers mm -hmm. have become digital. You know, mm -hmm. They're living that digitally centric lifestyle. Right. And so, you know, if you want to run a successful business, you have to be responsive to mm -hmm. the needs of your customers. Mm -hmm. And like, let me give you an example of one, one example I love is what Taco Bell has been doing. Mm. You know, you could argue that there's not a much more of a brick and mortar type right. business than mm -hmm. quick service restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody wants a digital taco, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they want to come and they want to get their, mm -hmm. their food. Uh, if you call it food, you know, <laughs> at a place like Taco Bell, but whatever. Um, but what they've been doing is they've been adding a second drive-through lane to their restaurants. So they mm -hmm. have the traditional drive-through lane where people are going to pull up and, you know, mm -hmm. decide what they want and order and pay and all that. And as you know, that can take a while. And then they have another drive-through lane, like depends on the restaurant, sometimes the opposite side of the building mm -hmm. or whatever for people who've already placed an order mm -hmm. digitally, already received a text that the order is ready. Of course, they've already paid for it. And all mm -hmm. they have to do is walk, goes, go up and, and pick it up. Mm -hmm. And so those people can go through much more rapidly. So mm -hmm. I think that's a good example of a business that hasn't moved away from being brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. They're not saying, you know, we're going to deliver, you know, I mean, they may have a delivery service, but it's mm -hmm. not all about uh, some completely digital experience, but they're recognizing that people living that digital lifestyle, they, they don't want to be, you know, in line with the people mm -hmm. who are sitting there asking about what's the difference between a, a tostada and a, and, a, mm -hmm. and a burrito. Right. You know, and, and you're so right that COVID just leapfrogged us probably 10 years, um, mm -hmm. definitely five uh, in, in how we were doing business. Because you know, we we started kind of moving that way with you know with Uber delivers and and you know some of the big stores uh, like you know Walmart and and Kroger and and all of those were kind of starting with a you can order online type of thing. But of course, they prefer you to go in because you buy more that way. 
Um, you know, and, and, but they were just, you know, kind of tinkering with it, all of those things. And then overnight, really overnight, it was, we can't go into those stores anymore. We can't go into those restaurants. And I think that is, is exactly what you're saying. That's why we saw so many small businesses struggle. And unfortunately, so many go out of business. Yeah. And now there are restaurants that are able to go back to full mm-hmm. dining room uh, service, of course, depending on the state and the mm-hmm. laws and all that. And some of those are seeing that despite having significant mm-hmm. number of diners, they're still getting huge amounts right. of online orders. Mm-hmm. And so we see restaurants whose business today mm-hmm. is in some cases almost double mm-hmm. what it was pre-COVID mm-hmm. because they've opened themselves up to a whole new market that mm-hmm. previously they really weren't focused on. In fact, um, I know of several restaurants that have opened, that bought adjacent um, facilities simply to expand their kitchens mm-hmm. so that they could make enough food right. to satisfy not mm-hmm. only their dining room customers, but all their Uber Eats and Grubhub mm-hmm. and Seamless and, and all these uh, types of requests. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and I think a big part is as consumers, We've decided we like that. Um, you know, we can either go pick it up or we can have it delivered. You know, I, I tell people, I said, you know, I like this world. I don't have to put shoes on. Um, you know, and 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 it really is one of those things where we really have gotten used to it. Um, we were traveling last week and and we were in Savannah having a great time. You know, and and I mean, Savannah is known for its food, for its restaurants, all of those things. We had Uber uh, meals three times. You know, it was just, we'd had long days. You know, you just want to go back to the hotel. You want to relax. And, you know, that was what we did. And, and you know, it was, it was great to be able to do that. Yeah. Hotel room service is never going to be the same. And mm-hmm. I think this is, you know, you see all of these shifts that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the car rental industry, for example, that used to make mm-hmm. a lot of money renting GPS devices. Well, right. that's gone, right? Yeah. Everyone just uses their phone, mm-hmm. right? So these sometimes, you know, what, what's an opportunity for one business, you know, maybe mm-hmm. harming another one in the case of hospitality mm-hmm. and, and, and hotels. Now we see that the idea that you can charge, you can have overpriced room service mm-hmm. because people want the convenience. Mm-hmm. And even if they have to, you know, how yeah, often I'm do you not wait paying 10 bucks for a burger. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you that I'll bet you that Uber Eats can get me that food faster mm-hmm. than room service. Mm-hmm. And it's probably better. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Listen, some hotels have fantastic room Mm -hmm. service, but they had a a monopoly on being able to Mm -hmm. say, well, you know, unless you want pizza or Chinese, if you Mm -hmm. want a decent meal in our hotel, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to order from our room service and pay whatever the premium is. And now all of a sudden everyone's got, you know, everything opened up to them. So I absolutely Mm -hmm. think, um, you know, you see, you see the winners and the losers Mm -hmm. in every one of the, that's what happens during, during times of transformation. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I, you know, uh, uh, one concept that is often talked about in personal development is that when pe- people do the same thing, when they, when they change their behavior for four weeks or six mm-hmm. weeks, you know, you hear different durations. Mm-hmm. You know, if you exercise, you force yourself to exercise mm-hmm. every day for six weeks, you're, you're going to keep doing it mm-hmm. because now it's a habit. Right. And co- COVID, you know, sort of forced everybody mm-hmm. to change their behaviors mm-hmm. for a period of time. And now they've done those new behaviors for so long that many of those behaviors mm-hmm. have become people's new habits. Mm-hmm. And so even when that forcing function of COVID is mm-hmm. removed, they're going to keep doing the mm-hmm. many, many of those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I was uh, talking to somebody the other day who did the, the, uh, had their, their groceries delivered. You know, we always, we still went shopping. I mean, you know, you, you, time it differently, all those various things. But he had said, no, we're not going in a store, going to have everything delivered. 
And he discovered exactly what I was saying before. He saves money by doing this because he's not doing the impulse purchases. And he said, I may never go in a, in a grocery store again. Um, you know, and, and if you're somewhere where they can deliver within four-ish hours, you know, that's that's a big time saver. Yeah. I love how Instacart actually tells you how many hours you saved. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess they add up all the hours their shoppers spend. Mm -hmm. So I look on Instacart and since I started using it at the beginning of COVID, mm -hmm. it's like 183 hours right. of shopping that mm -hmm. I've saved, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, whoa, that's substantial. Mm -hmm. So aside, even aside from the impulse purchases, mm -hmm. I value my time mm -hmm. enough to say, right. hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. and I, it doesn't even add that much. I guess some, I guess they jack up the prices a little bit, but mm -hmm. it's, I think it's well worth it. So, right. Yeah. And of course, we see the same thing in the workplace now. Mm -hmm. um, I hear from so many people, now that I've had the opportunity to work from home, I'm never going back. Mm -hmm. And part of this great resignation that we're experiencing, part of it, is companies mm -hmm. saying, okay, folks, time to come back to the office. Right. And then like, now, saying, sorry. Mm -hmm. eh, that's okay. If you're going to make me work in the office again, I'm just going to find mm -hmm. another job. There's plenty of them out there. So mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, we're seeing uh, many see changes mm -hmm. in terms of many aspects of how we work, play, live, everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what it means is we have to develop those relationships differently with our, our customers. Um, it's, it's funny that we're having this discussion today because earlier this morning I was listening on the radio. I actually still listen to a radio um, and I get a real newspaper. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, showing my age. Right. Um, but they were they, they had a story on and they were talking about the fact that, you know, it, it, even just 10 years ago, to build a relationship with a customer, you ran an ad, you know, you bought a billboard, you did something, you know, so it was TV, it was print, it was, you know, uh, could be local, could be national, you know, all of those various things. And then you built that relationship when that little person came toddling in to your establishment and you said, hey, Howard, how are you doing today? Great to see you, you know, and, and even if I didn't know your name, you know, I still just greeted you and, and all of those. And that was where we built those relationships. And now, Nobody's toddling in. Um, you know, they they might be dashing in if they're still even doing that. But we absolutely positively have to build those relationships with people online now. Well, absolutely. Uh, and and most businesses can do a much better job of that online mm -hmm. because you know, this idea of the store where you go in, you know, like, uh, like the cheers theme song, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you want to go where everybody right. knows your name. You want well, to go norm when you walk in, right? Well, exactly. So, <laughs> I, you know, that's a nice idea, but I don't know about you, but I don't think I had any place in my life that was like that. Mm -hmm. I think now, you know, some people do. Yeah. I know my daughters often go to a, a little coffee. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. a Starbucks, but it's not brand. It's just a independent right. place. Mm -hmm. They know the owner, mm -hmm. they get welcomed. Mm -hmm. That's one relationship they have mm -hmm. in their lives. Mm -hmm. I think I have none, right? Mm -hmm. When I go to my grocery store, they don't know me. No. When I go to, you know, so this notion is it's 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 a wonderful feeling, mm -hmm. but the truth is it's an edge case. Right. Very few actual business mm -hmm. relationships of a of a of a B to C nature mm -hmm. are along those lines. And so while in theory an individual human may be able to provide a more personal experience mm -hmm. if they really know you and you really mm -hmm. have a longstanding relationship. Most people don't have very many of those. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they're doctor, you know, right. but so they're dentist, but so as mm -hmm. a result, uh, you know, when, when a, when a website is able to leverage all the data that it has about mm -hmm. you and artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. or certainly a social media site like Facebook that knows mm -hmm. everything you've liked and everything you've read, mm -hmm. they're actually in a much stronger position because even if I go to Best Buy 
twice a month for 10 mm-hmm. years. Am I talking to the same person? Right. Does that person know mm-hmm. all the stuff I've done at Best Buy before? No. Yeah, you know, and 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 it is about that relationship. Um, you know, we all know it's about know, like, trust. And you know, when I know, like, and trust you, then I will give you my money, or I'll tell somebody else. You know, hey, you need to to work with this company. So tell us a little bit about your book. Um, I, I didn't have the, the chance to read it, and and so I'm going to have to make sure that I do. But tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Well, having worked for more than 20 years with large uh, Fortune 1000 type companies, mm-hmm. I, you know, on digital transformation, even before we were calling it mm-hmm. that particular buzz term, right. I, uh, you know, I, I've gotten the opportunity to see a lot of things that work, mm-hmm. a lot of things that don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a part of many successes and many failures. Mm-hmm. And so when you see so many examples mm-hmm. of companies trying to change and trying to transform and trying to become more digital, you start to see some patterns. And my consulting practice, and I, I've run my own company now for almost 15 years, and we work with many, many large brands. Mm-hmm. And part of the value that we bring to our clients is that we've been there and done that so mm-hmm. much that they're, they think they're dealing with some kind of a unique challenge or unique situation. It's not unique to us. Or right. they, they have a plan of how they're going to get from point A to point B, and we can see a bunch of risks or challenges mm-hmm. that they may be encountering that maybe they haven't thought about mm-hmm. because- well, we've been down this road before. We've been mm, down it yeah. many, many, many times. It's not, it's not genius. It's just experience. Mm-hmm. So, so the book was really, uh, I felt I, I wanted to, to document all that, mm-hmm. to make a, a guide for people who we couldn't necessarily work mm-hmm. with as a company. I, you know, I run a company of about mm-hmm. 100 people, so we're very blessed to have many great clients. But you know, there's a lot of companies we don't work with for one reason or another. And so this was really a, a description of the five-step process that we use mm-hmm. to help companies with their digital transformations. Mm-hmm. And we've had many, many successful ones using this process. Mm-hmm. So you know, I would never in a million years say there's only one way to be successful and this is it. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's not the case. But I do know that there are a lot of ways to be unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. And what I've tried to do in this book, I'll hold it up. Oh, yes. Be fan. hold it up. Winning digital customers. Winning digital yep. customers. Mm-hmm. What I try to do in this book is document a process that we use that we know mm-hmm. is one path to success right. and to do it in some detail, because mm-hmm. that's why it's, you know, such a big book. Right. It's not an ebook. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you can get the Kindle version, of course, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not a, right. It's not like mm-hmm. a little pamphlet because mm-hmm. we try to go through each of the key five mm-hmm. stages of successful digital transformation mm-hmm. and provide really detailed tools mm-hmm. and examples. We give a lot of case studies and again, we know the problems. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to go down this path, we know some of the problems that you mm-hmm. may encounter. And we try to alert you to those problems in mm-hmm. advance, say you might encounter this, you might encounter mm-hmm. that. And here are some tactics to overcome mm-hmm. those, those challenges and problems. And actually, in addition to this uh, lengthy tome, uh, it also comes with access to a password-protected website mm-hmm. that contains hours of a supplemental videos, ah. templates and tools mm-hmm. and other things. Because really our goal that someone can take this book and use it as their mm-hmm. guidebook, their blueprint. To, to a much more successful mm-hmm. digital transformation. Right. You know, and y- you mentioned that you've worked with big companies. Mm-hmm. This is for small companies too. You know, even if you're just the, the one person, you know, type of business, in some ways it's it's easier because you have fewer products, you have, you know, it's it's you're scaling everything down. I mean, when you're talking about a gigantic company, you know, Walmart, it, you know, is is a great example. I mean, yeah. they have so many things right. that, you know, it's it's you know, clearly they, you know, that's why they have teams that are dedicated just to doing things like this. But, you know, if, if you just have a handful of products or services, you can do these same steps 
and be very successful too. Because yeah, it's it's you know it's it's not just for the big guys. The the steps work for anybody. That's absolutely true. And um, you know, I my career has been working with large companies because mm-hmm. um, they have more money. You know, right? And it's but, fun. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, but 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 uh, you know. First of all, I so I you know I wrote it from the perspective mm-hmm. of the work we've done with large enterprises. Mm-hmm. However, I've heard from many people who've bought the book and mm-hmm. said I applied it to my kind of small mm-hmm. medium business and the practices work very well. Mm-hmm. So I know I've gotten that feedback. And I run what you could argue is a small you know consulting mm-hmm. firm relative right. to the large companies that mm-hmm. I've worked with. So so I, I think you're right. Uh, there are some things you need to adapt and such, mm-hmm. but I agree that you know eighty to ninety percent of this is equally mm-hmm. applicable. And I, I totally agree with your point that it's actually easier when you're a small company. There's no question that's true. Sometimes I get the question, you know, do do small companies need mm-hmm. to be thinking about digital transformation? And I'm like, well, absolutely. Yeah. Because- <laughs> You're targeting the same customers, mm-hmm. so they have the same needs. Mm-hmm. And almost all small companies compete with large companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, the small diner on the corner is competing with Starbucks, mm-hmm. is competing with McDonald's right. and Dunkin' Donuts. So yeah, you know, you need to be in the and the customer mm-hmm. isn't 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 giving you a handicap. They're not mm-hmm. saying, oh well, you know, I have lower expect. They may have lower expectations mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. but that doesn't accrue to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Meaning if they think they're going to get a better experience, mm-hmm. they're most likely going to go where they're going to get the better experience right. or the better price or the better mm-hmm. product. So you need to be able to compete. And what you said is absolutely right. So much of what I talk about in this book are the challenges that large companies face trying to mm-hmm. transform. And a lot of it has to do with scale mm-hmm. and organizational issues. And when you're smaller and more nimble, you absolutely can do mm-hmm. it more easily and often more rapidly. And I wish more small businesses would take advantage of that mm-hmm advantage that they have over their large competitors, Mm -hmm. because of course, large competitors have many advantages Mm -hmm. over small companies, right? Mm -hmm. They have so many more resources. Not the least of which is money. (laughs) Right. Money, a bigger Mm -hmm. brand, more awareness, Mm -hmm. all these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, small companies, when they see an angle Mm -hmm. where they actually have an advantage over the big companies, Mm -hmm. you really want to take advantage of it. Right. Right. Yeah. I I don't know why I just thought of this. I Years ago, um, when we lived in Colorado, I worked for the American Cancer Society, mm. and we worked with a small brewery in the little town of Golden. And you know, and and we all kind of you know know what Golden Beer, you know that that big company is. And so this smaller and is much smaller company. I mean, they they literally brewed beer out of their garage, and their their tagline was the second largest brewery in Golden. Um, and so they embraced the fact that they had you know a very limited supply, and so you knew if you wanted that beer, you'd better get that beer when they said, "Hey, our, our kegs have been tapped." Um, you know, and and, and were they going to compete with Coors? No, they weren't going to come anywhere close to competing with Coors. But when they found their little niche, and this was before the whole craft beer craze. Um, but yeah, you know, we just, I just love that tagline, you know, the second largest brewery in Golden. Um, you know, and, and, and it was so funny because they really did embrace that they weren't that big guy. But they yeah. could, you know, they still had good quality products, all of those various things. Absolutely. Smaller companies should compete on their strengths. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in the same business. I, you know, I, I not beer, but, uh, you know, I compete with companies like Accenture, mm-hmm. Deloitte, mm-hmm. McKinsey, mm-hmm. IBM, you know, and someone might say, well, gosh, you know, how can you as a smaller company mm-hmm. compete with IBM? It's easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy because right. mm-hmm. we have strengths that they don't have, mm-hmm. even though they have strengths that we don't have. Mm-hmm. And does that mean every customer prefers us to IBM? No. No. 
but we need far fewer customers than IBM needs. Right. So it's just a matter of identifying, but are there customers for whom what we offer as a smaller company mm-hmm. is better than mm-hmm. what IBM offers? A hundred percent. Absolutely true. Right. Just like some people would vastly prefer a craft mm-hmm. beer to a bottle of Coors mm-hmm. that comes off of a production line. Mm-hmm. And you could see that same apply, whether it's a small, you know, small bed and breakfast competing mm-hmm. with Marriott or mm-hmm. a small independent plumber competing with some giant conglomerate. Mm-hmm. You could see that in almost any industry. So I, I mm-hmm. absolutely think that small companies should never feel in any way intimidated mm-hmm. about having large competitors but don't try to play the game the way they do. Don't mm-hmm. try to convince people right. you're bigger than McDonald's, mm-hmm. you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. But, you're not uh, bigger than McDonald's unless right. you're, uh, who is bigger than McDonald's? Down here, it'd be Chick-fil-A. Um, uh-huh. But uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't compete on that level. Um, so that is where you absolutely have to know who your target market is. And how to reach them, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it, it, that's, that is absolutely critical. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what is differentiated about you mm-hmm. compared to your competitors? Mm-hmm. And, right. You know. Well, you mentioned that in your book, you talk about the five steps. Now we want people to buy the book, so we're not going to, you know, give away all of the, the secret sauce, so to speak, but tell us a little bit about those five steps. Sure. Yeah. I am. Believe me, there's no way to get the whole book into a podcast. I know, I know. We know yeah, it's, it's a long audio book, right? <laughs> happy to tell you. Yeah. So yeah. So the five steps uh, are the first three are a kind of a sequential process. Okay. The first is to understand your customer. Mm-hmm. And so many businesses have, let's call it a 50 to 60% mm-hmm. accurate understanding of their customer. Very mm-hmm. few businesses are completely clueless about their customer, mm-hmm. but so often, and we know this because we go in all the time and do mm-hmm. research and come back with insights, important insights about mm-hmm. the customer that were not understood previously. Mm-hmm. And so because when we talk about digital transformation, I mean, transformation is just a fancy word for change, right? Mm-hmm. Or big change. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that, I mean, you could have a business and you could change it in all kinds of ways that may or may not make your business better, mm-hmm. right? You could make your business worse, mm-hmm. or you could spend a bunch of money making changes that neither make it neither better nor worse, except that you've just spent a bunch of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the aiming process is really mm-hmm. important to understand, well, where are my customers frustrated mm-hmm. today? Where are they confused? Where are they disappointed? Where am I not mm-hmm. giving them the quality of experience they're looking for? Or, or where are there opportunities, even if they're not perceiving mm-hmm. a problem, where are there opportunities to really create new mm-hmm. delight in the customer experience mm-hmm. and create more value for the customer? You want to start there rather than mm-hmm. say, oh, we need virtual reality. We need QR codes. We need drones. We need 3D mm-hmm. printing. I mean, yeah, you, may you don't need those yeah. things. <laughs> But, but you got to start from, you know, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Mm-hmm. And in any business, the problem you're always trying to solve is how can I create more value for the customer mm-hmm. so that the customer will be willing to give more value to me and will mm-hmm. want to tell their friends and will want to come back again and again. Right. So, so that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you've got that as a grounding, and by the mm-hmm. way, in the book, we provide all kinds of techniques. Like, so what's the how, right? Mm-hmm. How do you understand your customer? Right. You're mm-hmm. strain really on saying, I'm going to understand my customer as well mm-hmm. as I can. No, no, that's not how you do I it. I always love it. I ask people, who's your target audience? Everyone. No. <laughs> right. 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 No, you have to understand who, who you're going after mm-hmm. and what are their, you know, what's, what's keeping them up at night? Mm-hmm. What are their hopes and dreams? Mm-hmm. What are their fears? What, when they buy from you, why? Mm-hmm. Why do they choose you mm-hmm. over a competitor? Right. And when they choose not to buy from you, why, why? not? Mm-hmm. Right. Or if mm-hmm. they are your customer and then they leave, mm-hmm. what is it that sent them away? Mm-hmm. And and you don't want to speculate on those right. things. Because I you're going to guess wrong. 
Quite likely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially you don't want to speculate if there's another way Mm -hmm. and you know, there are many techniques, but you could put them all in one category called Mm -hmm. research. Mm -hmm. And some of those forms of research involve talking to customers directly or observing Mm -hmm. them. Some of them involve looking at data. Mm -hmm. Some of them involve talking to other people who Mm -hmm. spent time with your customers. Just as one example, so many companies have employees that spend all day, every day with customers, whether Mm -hmm. those are waitresses Mm -hmm. or call center people or store associates or security guards or what Mm -hmm. have you. And then you have people, you know, somewhere at the home office trying to figure out the next generation Mm -hmm. of the product or the website. And very often those people spend very little time with the customer. Right. So And never do those two meet up. Well, there's a huge missed opportunity Mm -hmm. if they don't, right? Mm -hmm. If you say, well, I have these people who spent, you know, maybe they've been with you for 10 years and they spent mm-hmm. 1500 hours a year with customers. These people mm-hmm. have spent in that case, what did I, what did I just say? You know, 15,000 hours mm-hmm. with your customers. They've right. learned a thing or two, I guarantee. Mm-hmm. And so they've listened to the, the, the highs, the lows, the goods, the bads. Yeah. And they understand the whys. Mm-hmm. They get someone on the phone and mm-hmm. in two minutes, they can tell whether this person's going to close or mm-hmm. not. Well, Based on what? What is mm-hmm. the indication that they're giving? That data can be can be used to drive AI algorithms or mm-hmm. just the design of websites or marketing mm-hmm. or products or things like that. So, so that's the first step. And then once you have that as a foundation, the mm-hmm. next step is to to design the for the future. You know, we okay. call that mapping the journey. Mm-hmm. And so, in the book, we talk a lot about techniques that are called customer journey mapping, mm-hmm. which is really just trying to be as specific as possible about, okay, so what is supposed to happen to Mm -hmm. this customer? How do they find out about your business? Mm -hmm. There may be multiple paths, but Mm -hmm. what are those paths? How do they find out about it? What is their process of Mm -hmm. making a decision of shopping, of evaluating, Mm -hmm. of picking, you know, of deciding whether they want the more expensive one or the less expensive Mm -hmm. one, really understanding that and going through each step of whatever the stages that you go through. Most businesses, there's five, six, seven key stages. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's different for, say, repairing your toilet versus going on a cruise. The mm-hmm. stages might be a little different, but you still got this sequential process usually mm-hmm. of selecting and buying, and then you get some service or product is delivered mm-hmm. to you, and you may have a renewal component. So uh, you know, you want to first make sure you're clear on what's happening today. Mm-hmm. What is the experience your customers are already having? Mm-hmm. And how does that align with the broader picture of what you understand about them? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you'll find there's all kinds of points of pain and confusion and, and, and challenges and problems. And, and then how do you, if you were to envision the ideal version of that, mm-hmm. that's really the, the future mm-hmm. journey that you want to map out. If you are rebuilding this business from the ground up today for, a, for an audience of like today's digital customers, mm-hmm. and you didn't have to worry about your pre-existing mainframe system or the leases you have on your stores or, or the, the fact that your employees aren't trained to do mm-hmm. certain things. If you put all that aside for a minute and said, what would be the, the, the experience that if I could provide it to my customers, I could stand toe to toe with anybody in my industry, mm-hmm. Amazon or Google or Facebook, or, you know, again, depends on your industry. Mm-hmm we would be able to be delivering an experience to the customer that would be completely competitive for today's customer. Mm-hmm. And that's that step of envisioning envisioning and mapping the future journey. And then the third of those sequential steps, and it sounds you know obnoxiously straightforward, is to build it. Right. Once you've created the vision for that journey, mm-hmm. you're not going to build it all at once, but you need to break it down into pieces, mm-hmm. into products and backend infrastructure components mm-hmm. and say, okay, we need a new chatbot. We need to upgrade our app. We need some new 
content management system for our website. Mm -hmm. We need personalization, whatever it is that in order to bring that journey to life. And it's usually Mm -hmm. a multi-year process Mm -hmm. and you may never get a hundred percent of the way there because by the time you're two thirds of the way there, the world may have changed again, right? your future journey again, Mm -hmm. but you have that North star that you're headed towards. And in the book, we talk a lot about principles of design thinking, Mm -hmm. which is a very effective, you know, Mm -hmm. proven methodology for building individual products and, and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, web services and other things. So mm-hmm. um, that's the third. And those are kind of like the three main sequential mm-hmm. stages. And then in parallel to those two, we talk about the other two, one of which is to optimize the present. Mm-hmm. Because when you create that inspirational, aspirational vision of the future, mm-hmm. that's going to take possibly a few years to get to, uh, you know, you don't want to wait till then to be delivering value for your customers. Mm-hmm. So, so often when you do the kind of research I talked about before, you're able to also identify some problems that may be easy to solve. You know, mm-hmm. some problems require a complete revamp of all your technology mm-hmm. and create retraining all your employees. But you know, some are about rewording a button mm-hmm. or ch- slightly changing the checkout mm-hmm. flow of your shopping cart or something like that. So you want to be identifying those little problems, mm-hmm. and often there are many of them. And just be like you're the cleaning crew. You know, mm-hmm. you want to polish this and tweak that and mm-hmm. and stand that down a little bit. And if you continuously do that while you're moving towards your bigger, more aspirational vision, mm-hmm. um, you get a good combination because you get some immediate business impact while you're working towards something that's more transformation. Mm-hmm. And then the last of the five steps is to lead the change, which of course mm-hmm. is not really last. You have to start with great leadership, but mm-hmm. I talk about it last in the book because I figure it's easier to lay out first. What's all the stuff that have to get done? Mm-hmm. And then kind of ask the question, what kind of leadership is it going to take right. to get an organization to have enough creativity and vision mm-hmm. and insight and will determination and will and resources mm-hmm. and resourcefulness to be able to actually envision and then execute mm-hmm. on these types of journeys. And you know, there are a lot of great legacy brands that are really struggling with trying mm-hmm. to transform right now. And there are other great legacy brands that have done an amazing job. Mm-hmm. So we know it can be done, right. but we know it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And the goal of these five steps and it's not just the steps at the top level because they may seem deceptively simple, but each mm-hmm. of the steps is covered for 75 pages in the book mm-hmm. because very often the devil's in the details of mm-hmm. how do you do this in a successful way? So mm-hmm. that's a quick summary of those five steps in the book. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned the legacy brands, um, you know, the, the, one of the worst things at, that rears up and bites people is the phrase, but this is the way we've always done it. You know, and and whether it's even having a website or, or doing you know anything, I mean that I think really was one of the biggest things that hit people with COVID. Um, you know, I, I had to laugh when they said it's going to be two weeks, folks. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> In what reality nice. is this going to be two weeks? Now, twenty ish months into this, we're still kind of going to wait. Um, but you know, I think it was it really was an example of so many people going. This this too shall pass, but it was this too shall pass quickly. And I don't think anybody really stopped to think, and I don't care, you know, if you're the, the mom and pop or the the you know the, the Amazons, the Walmarts, the whatever, I don't think anybody understood what it really what really was going to happen. Um, you know, and and it's uh, you know, I always laugh now when we have people that say, I can't wait for it to get back to normal. <laughs> Really? You think that that we're going to go back to January of of 2020 and everything's going to be hunky dory? No. You know, things have now changed and and will continue to change. You know, whether it's the hybrid workforces or, you know, how we order uh, online, all of those things. And those companies that aren't embracing that 
really are going to be the ones that get left behind. Yeah. Well, there's no question that, you know, you hear this phrase, the new normal, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you know, the truth is things are changing all the time and Mm -hmm. they've been changing. There's not really a normal. Right. It's very difficult to know, you know, we, 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 businesses often lack one of the reasons why businesses, I think, start to decline mm-hmm. is that they lack the imagination right. or the curiosity mm-hmm. to think about where are we going to be in five years? Mm-hmm. And I think that's critical because COVID or no COVID, mm-hmm. the world has been changing at a rapid pace. It's mm-hmm. going to continue to change. Mm-hmm. And you know, you really have to be thinking about meeting the needs of your customers mm-hmm. as those needs change. For anyone mm-hmm. who says, well, this is how we've always done it. You know, the answer is great. And that's going to meet the needs of the customers mm-hmm. who are doing things the way that they have always right. done. Mm-hmm. And there are always going to be mm-hmm. some. Yeah. There are some people who still mm-hmm. like to make their deposits by waiting in line with the mm-hmm. teller at the bank. Mm-hmm. There are some people who will never order food from Uber because they like to, you know, mm-hmm. but but how what percentage? Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're hitching your wagon to the people who aren't changing, mm-hmm. you're de- you have a shrinking, shrinking, shrinking market. Right which is not a strategy for a long-term successful Uh -uh. business. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I called my book Winning Digital Customers, Mm -hmm. the antidote to irrelevance. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, where's Woolworths? Mm -hmm. Where's Kodak? Right. Where's Blockbuster? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are plenty of examples of where's Circuit City Mm -hmm. of businesses that at one time were very successful. Mm -hmm. And why were they successful? Because they met the needs of the time. Mm -hmm. They met the needs of the customer at that moment. And Mm -hmm. usually when they they became unsuccessful and went on Mm -hmm. a business, it's usually not because they changed, mm-hmm. they got worse. You mm-hmm. know, Blockbuster didn't get worse. Right. Yeah. But but people didn't need that anymore. Right. That little and thing called Netflix came along. Exactly. And Blockbuster didn't mm-hmm. figure out how to keep up with the changing mm-hmm. needs of customers. Mm-hmm. And so that's the answer to if you're if you're at a company where somebody is saying, Well, I've been doing this this way for all these years. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, well, you know, the world wasn't changing as fast mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. as it is today. And ask if they think that the customer is changing, you know, and mm-hmm. if they don't believe the customer is changing, then you need to show them data. Mm-hmm. They, well, we're surveying customers. We're interviewing right. customers. This mm-hmm. is what we're seeing and hearing. And if they still don't believe you, well, you know, then, some people then you're never you go gonna on to, to the next. Yeah. I was yeah like, okay. Maybe you need to find another job, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, because, because that's not a company that's decision-making is mm-hmm. rational. Right. You know, and, and, and it is scary to be thinking about these changes, um, you know, and, and, and granted, they were obviously forced on us um, in many cases, and and yeah. you know people had to to shift dramatically. But if you had been planning all along and had all your so called ducks in a row, you know, was it going to be bumpy? Yes, but you still would have had that foundation to be able to make that rapid change to you know, all e-ordering, all e, you know, whatever, um, you know, having to deliver all of those things. And, you know, and I think that is is probably one of the, the biggest issues is people just don't take those steps to start with. You know, they don't exactly know who their audience is. They don't know, um, in many cases, who their competitors are. Uh, you know, you probably talked to, well, you talked with a lot of big businesses, but, you know, I talk with a lot of companies that think that they are unique. There ain't nothing unique anymore. Um, you know, right. long gone are the days of somebody buying a pet rock. Um, but <laughs> that one, that's one of those that just baffles you, right? Um, 
but yeah, it's it's like you said with the problems, you know, the solutions are also the same too. There's really now there are enhancements and and things like that. And I think a great example of you know company that completely and totally embrace this this rapid change is what we're doing right here. You know, Zoom has now become a noun, a verb, an adverb, an adjective. I mean, all those various things. And that that other little company called Microsoft that has Skype. You know, it's like Skype, really? I don't even have it on my machine anymore. And, you know, and it was just one of those. Uh, and, and I firmly believe that the big thing with Zoom was when they said, and, and this spoke to my little PR heart, when they said, schools can use it for free. Kaching, you know, because they went, well, you know, well, if my kids can use it, must be simple enough for me to use too. Um, you know, and and I mean, and, and then of course, Zoom has continued to rapidly evolve um, and to, to, you know, because now they're trying to figure out how you do conferences with a hybrid mix and, and all sorts of things. And, and, you know, at some point, will they become irrelevant? Possibly, you know, because some other thing might come along. But but yeah, it, it, Zoom really was one of those great success stories of this whole thing. Yeah. And uh, the future of Zoom will, will be based on its leadership and, mm-hmm. and how well they steer their opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, AOL has become irrelevant. MySpace has become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But look at Disney, you know, mm-hmm. as big and as important or mm-hmm. more so than ever. Look at Nike. Look at mm-hmm. Harley Davidson. So, uh, you know, look at Starbucks, look at mm-hmm. Domino's. So, uh, you know, I, we can find many examples of brands mm-hmm. that have been navigated successfully mm-hmm. through times of rapid change. And of course, plenty of examples of mm-hmm. ships that got, uh, you know, that landed on the rocks during mm-hmm. during a storm or during difficult times. So Zoom has every opportunity to mm-hmm. be successful in the future. And of course, they have fierce competitors, including mm-hmm. Microsoft now with Teams. Right. And uh, we'll see what what happens. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's it's a race. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it's always fun to watch when, say, the big guys try something, um, you know, the, the various forays that Google tried to, to go up against Facebook. Mm. You know, that was that was one of those that was always interesting um, because you would have thought that just the name brand recognition that Google and, and now I'm not even remembering what they had. It was Google, Google Plus. Google Plus. Yes, that was it. And we all went, "Ooh, it's by Google. You know, it it lasted, you know, and and it was actually, if I remember right, their third attempt. And then they were smart enough to go, okay, you know, we're we're not going to compete against Facebook. We're just going to give up. But Facebook also learned people aren't going to buy smartphones from us. Um, You know, sometimes when you get out of your lane, that's where your problem comes in. Yeah, well, Amazon learned that same lesson. Amazon Mm -hmm. tried to launch the Fire smartphone, and that Mm -hmm. also was unsuccessful. But, you know... I don't know if it's really true that if you get out of your lane, people won't follow along. I think a lot has to do with the specifics because, of course, look at the success of Google and Amazon. Google's lane initially was search. Amazon's mm-hmm. lane initially was books. Books, yeah. So much of their success mm-hmm. came by getting out of their lane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that part of the path to success is being willing to accept failure and be willing mm-hmm. to try a lot of things and know that sometimes you're going to mm-hmm. get the recipe wrong. And then you have to just make a strategic decision mm-hmm. when you want to try to reformulate it and right. keep shooting for that mm-hmm. same goal. Or when you want to say, you know what, maybe that goal isn't worth pursuing further right mm-hmm. now. We're going to put it aside and we're going to focus on something mm-hmm. else. Right. Now, one of the things that you talk about is customer love. And so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about that because it's not loyalty. It's something very different. So talk to us about customer love. Sure. Well, I think that the single most valuable asset that any business can have is the emotional connection that their customers have to 
the company, the brand, the products. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look around at brands that are some of the most lucrative in the world, mm-hmm. like Apple, for example, for mm-hmm. an easy example. And we all know that, that Apple's customers are, are passionate. Likewise, you know, some of the brands I mentioned earlier, Disney or Harley Davidson, mm-hmm. many of these most successful brands with the highest, not only the largest companies, but the companies with the highest profit margins, with the, mm-hmm. with the highest multiples in terms of their stock performance, our customers, our companies where customers you know, they're not just doing transactions. Mm-hmm. They're not just patronizing the company. They believe in the company and they mm-hmm. connect their identity with that company in a mm-hmm. certain sense. They they have an emotional connection. And so we're always in search of trying to figure out whether you're an insurance company or mm-hmm. a, an accounting firm or a, you know, a company that puts satellites in the air or mm-hmm. whatever. How do we create that kind of emotional connection mm-hmm. with customers? And you know, some people, and we have a formula for that in the book, because one of the things we've tried to do over the years, and I sometimes feel bad because it sounds a little bit unromantic, but what we've tried to do is sort of reverse engineer that that love, mm-hmm. figure out, well, what can a business really do to inspire mm-hmm. it? Uh, but sometimes people do say, well, you know, isn't that the same as loyalty? And, you know, it's, it's in the English language, you know, we mm-hmm. have sometimes words and they mean different things. Mm-hmm. The kind of love that I'm talking about mm-hmm. is not the same as the love that I have towards my wife or right. my children. It's the love that we have when someone says, I love Starbucks, mm-hmm. right? So we use the word love in different ways. Mm-hmm. And the word loyalty, you know, can be used to imply a strong emotional connection, like mm-hmm. the loyalty and saving private Ryan of mm-hmm. the soldiers that won't leave a man on the battlefield. But in business today, when we talk about the idea of loyalty, that's not mm-hmm. what we mean. When we talk about loyalty in business, we don't mean emotion. Mm-hmm. We mean a behavior. Mm. And that behavior is repeat transactions. Mm-hmm. In business parlance today, if some, we say a customer is loyal, what we mean is they shop with us. However, you know, depends mm-hmm. on the industry, right? Some industries you're loyal. If you come once, if mm-hmm. I, if I buy a Ford once every two years, I'm extremely loyal. Right. If I go to Starbucks once every two years. I'm not right. Mm-hmm. My Starbucks loyal customers might go three times a week. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the industry, but that measure of how often I come is typically what we mean by loyalty. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Uh, measuring how often your customers come is important. Mm-hmm. And we certainly want customers to come back again and again and again. Right. But customers come back for many reasons. Mm-hmm. I go to the same gas station most of the time, mm-hmm. not because I have any emotional connection to that gas station. It's convenient. It happens to be on my route. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if another gas station came up that was a little closer, a little more convenient, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I might go there. But mm-hmm. if someone is an Apple person. They, they have their Apple, you know, their Mac computer and their mm-hmm. iPhone. If a, if a Microsoft store opens up, that's five minutes closer than the Apple store. Mm-hmm. Are they going to switch to Microsoft? I mean, no way, no, no way because they're, they're committed. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a, just a different thing is mm-hmm. all. And, and so then in the book we talk about, so how do you, how do you inspire the love of your customers? Mm-hmm. And we have a, a three level model. It's conceptually pretty straightforward to understand. Mm -hmm. It's more difficult to execute. The first level is to consistently meet their needs, Mm -hmm. very consistently meet the needs of your customers. Mm -hmm. Now that is not enough to win their love. Mm -hmm. But if you fail to do that, then nothing else is really going to get you. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, as we talked about earlier, in order to really successfully consistently meet your customers' needs, you do need to know what they are. Mm -hmm. Or just be super lucky. Mm-hmm. But let's just assume. Yeah, sometimes that really does happen, but most well, of the time, yeah. nah. Mm-hmm. You know, it can, it can. You know, mm-hmm. people can follow the totally wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible to get totally lost in the woods mm-hmm. and just stumble across buried treasure, right? Mm-hmm. I right. mean, it could happen. Yeah. But 
this is probably not the strategy that you want to mm, use at your yeah. company to try to drive success, mm. right? So, um, uh, so that's the first step is mm-hmm. to consistently meet their needs. The second is to occasionally, periodically, mm-hmm. do something extra that delights mm-hmm. the customer, goes beyond just mm-hmm. meeting their needs. And the third is to stand for something mm-hmm. that aligns with their values, mm-hmm. something they mm-hmm. believe in. Mm-hmm. And so that's the three things to mm-hmm. do. And, you know, sometimes when we describe this to companies that are want to use it, mm-hmm. they're like, well, why? Like, I, I mean, I can see why some of these things are mm-hmm. important, but like, especially you know, why do we have to stand for something? Mm-hmm. Because the truth is that many companies really don't stand for anything at all. Right. Not really. Average is okay. Right. Right. And you know, if you ask them, why does your company exist? They'd say, generate shareholder return. Right. Because you know? I want to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and that's fine. Businesses like that can be successful, mm-hmm. but they won't win their customers love. Right. And therefore they won't be the most successful mm-hmm. businesses. And so, you know, if you have a dry cleaners, it just says, yeah, we're dry cleaners. We opened on this corner. People need their clothes clean. Mm-hmm. They come and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you have another dry cleaners, that's passionate about mm-hmm. making sure that you look your very best. And every mm-hmm. time you walk in there, you can just feel mm-hmm. that their lives are committed mm-hmm. to your appearance. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a company that's, mm-hmm. if they're also meeting your needs and occasionally delighting mm-hmm. you, much better set up to inspire your long-term mm-hmm. love and loyalty. So, uh, you know, the other point I guess I'd make about it is when we look at these three tiers and we, when we studied this to understand, well, why is it that these three things, meeting the customers need occasionally mm-hmm. delighting and standing for something, inspire um, that feeling of mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, but I call it love, customer mm-hmm. love. And the answer turns out like this. When you meet the customer's needs, mm-hmm. there's a, a larger meaning the customer takes from it. Because one thing I learned, I worked for years and years with Tony Robbins, and one of the things mm-hmm. I learned from Tony was that emotions come from meaning. What's mm-hmm. the meaning we place on? Mm-hmm. And so when uh, you meet someone's needs, mm-hmm. what's the meaning? Well, you could argue that one meeting would be, well, they're trying to meet my needs, mm-hmm. but that's inherent to the business relationship, mm-hmm. right? Very right. often are you going to someplace mm-hmm. that's not, I mean, after all, they want your money, they're going to meet your need. Even mm-hmm. the dry cleaner doesn't care about anything that's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they fully meet your needs and do it consistently, they're demonstrating mm-hmm. something that's more profound. Mm-hmm. which is that they understand you. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, you can't really fully meet someone's needs. You might meet some of their needs if you don't mm-hmm. understand them. But if you fully meet their needs, you understand them. And mm-hmm. it's a wonderful feeling mm-hmm. to feel understood. Many of mm-hmm. us walk around all day feeling misunderstood. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when they do something beyond, when they do something that they don't have to do to get mm-hmm. your money, something mm-hmm. uh, you know, extra to delight you, what is the meaning of that? Mm-hmm. Why would a business do that? And the meaning that customers often derive is they care about me. Mm-hmm. They're doing that not because they need my money, because they're mm-hmm. going to get my money whether they do that extra thing or not. Mm-hmm. They just must, they must care about me. And so mm-hmm. now you've got a business that, that, that understands me and cares about mm-hmm. me. And then when you telegraph that you stand for something that that person resonates with, mm-hmm. first of all, you convey some humanity. Mm-hmm. because businesses can seem very antiseptic. And when mm-hmm. they feel that your business really is committed to some idea, whether mm-hmm. it's a political idea like Nike supporting Colin mm-hmm. Kaepernick and Black right. Lives Matter, yeah. or whether it's Disney just being committed mm-hmm. to family values or mm-hmm. Harley Davidson being committed to freedom in the open mm-hmm. road, when you feel that someone really stands for or a business stands for something, it gives a sense of humanity. And even more when that sense of what they're mm-hmm. committed to is shared by mm-hmm. you, then you have the feeling that 
they are like me. Mm-hmm. So when you have a relationship, imagine you, you just met somebody at a party and after mm-hmm. talking to them for a while, you thought, you know, this person, they, they understand me. They get me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they seem to care about me. Mm-hmm. And they kind of are like me in at mm-hmm. least some important way. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like the fertile ground mm-hmm. for a meaningful emotional relationship, whether mm-hmm. that's true love or whether mm-hmm. that's a strong friendship or whatever mm-hmm. it may be? And I think that that's the reason why mm-hmm. these components, which any business can pursue, but it takes work, mm-hmm. can then inspire the love of your customers. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, now you have a competitive advantage mm-hmm. that far exceeds you know, having a more mm-hmm. convenient location. Right. You know, and, and sometimes it's simple little things. Um, you know, I'm in Atlanta, so it's the home of Chick-fil-A. You know, mm-hmm. when, when I go through Chick-fil-A's drive-through, you know, who goes in anymore, right? When they say, it's my pleasure to serve you. That's very different than thanks. <laughs> you know, that you get, if you even get that at, at other places. Um, yeah. Or, you know, during the pandemic, we ordered quite a bit of pizza. We like Papa John's. Now, like, like how it tastes, all those things. We had one delivery person and we had her multiple times. And so it was always fun to see her older woman and as in older than me. Um, and she would come up and she had a little box and it had all of the extras, you know, that the little packages of Parmesan cheese and peppers and, and all of those things. And then, you know, you would, would take, you know, take that. You know, it, that was very different than them just throwing for those in, in the thing. You know, she she offered that. And then now, you know, granted, we are here in the South. As she left, she would say, God bless you. And I mean, there was just that extra little wow that you thought, hey, you know, this they like you said, they care about me. Um, and so, you know, a big part of that is is obviously in training for customer service, you know, they're trained at Chick-fil-A to always say, it's been my pleasure to serve you. And when they don't, they get in trouble for it. Um, you know, and, and, but they also, there's, you know, if, if you just say, it's my pleasure to serve you, that's very different than, hey, it's been my pleasure to serve you. Well, you know, and, and so there's, there's that human touch that, that absolutely has to be in there. There's no question. We've become very cynical about things that brands say. Mm-hmm. And you know how often do we get told by our credit card company we value as you a cu- we value yeah. you as a customer as they're charging uh-huh. me a twenty five dollar late fee because right. mm-hmm. I was one day late on my payment you know mm-hmm. and it's like hmm so I think that it's important it's great if you can get employees trained mm-hmm. to have enough genuine mm-hmm. authenticity when they say thank you you know we value your mm-hmm. business or whatnot that people really feel. Mm-hmm feel the love. That's mm-hmm. a tough thing to train employees mm-hmm. to do. And, and for those companies that have succeeded in doing it, that's a huge, uh, a hugely mm-hmm. successful thing. You know, the alternative is if you can't get there to not rely on words, you know, mm-hmm. but to do things that, that show the love right. in more tangible mm-hmm. forms. And, and, and however you get there though, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's key. And, uh, you know, we went to a diner yesterday with my, with my kids uh, it's just, it's a diner called the Jackson hole. There's only three or four of them. I think it's not really a chain, but there's mm-hmm. a number of them in the New York, New Jersey area. And my kids were like, these people really like working here. And mm-hmm. I was like, what makes you say that? And mm-hmm. they were like, oh, well, when the guy sat us, he was telling us how they have this room and you should come back with your friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, they just got this vibe of like, mm-hmm. these are people that were happy to be working right. at this diner. They were mm-hmm. proud of it, which is not usually what you see when someone seats no. you and takes your order at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and we really do 
pick up on those little subtleties. Um, you know, and, and but it can be a, a big thing too. You know, I, I must be hungry because now I'm thinking about the Domino's ads where they're they're giving customer freeze as opposed to customer fees, because you're always getting fees. And so Domino's is you know, you might get something free. You might, you might not, but just the thought that, well, Hey, you know, I, I, I could order this and get, you know, free, whatever. Um, you know, and, and that is just showing that little bit of love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, oh my gosh, Howard, I, like I said, at the very start, this is, is one of my favorite subjects and, and we could talk about it forever, but we can't because we're at the top of the hour. Actually, we can have you on again and, and talk more about this and that would be great. But until then, tell us more about your company and the services that you provide. Oh, sure. So we work with uh, mostly larger companies mm-hmm. on digital transformation, mm-hmm. which includes typically doing customer research to understand where the greatest opportunities mm-hmm. are doing uh, digital road mapping and Mm -hmm. journey mapping, as we talked about earlier, and design thinking, building out products. Mm -hmm. For example, we worked on building out the AAA new roadside assistance app. Mm. We do a lot of work for the Avis Budget Group on Mm -hmm. their various apps that relate to car Mm -hmm. rental. We work with other brands like Airbus, Transamerica, Mm -hmm. NBC Universal, and so on. We uh, are, you can find us at from.digital. That's our mm-hmm. website, which describes more about the, the work that we do and the approach that we take. And of course, mm-hmm. we're always happy to talk to anyone who's interested in learning mm-hmm. more. Right. Um, with respect to my, my book and other material that I publish, um, mm-hmm. you can learn more about my book, Winning Digital Customers. Mm-hmm. It's available wherever, of course, Amazon. Wherever better them. books are sold. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, but there's also a website for it, uh, winningdigitalcustomers.com, mm-hmm. all one word. And if you go there, you first of all can get links to all the places mm-hmm. you can get the eBooks and the regular books. And also you can download the first chapter for free. Mm -hmm. So if you just want to check it out, you have the option to do that there. Mm -hmm. And um, I post and publish quite a bit on LinkedIn. uh, So Mm -hmm. you can check me out there. You can look Mm -hmm. under my name, Howard Tierski. And I do a twice weekly live cast. In addition, I have a podcast and uh, articles and other things. So if you're interested in this stuff, I'm, I'm always putting something out there. Cool. I love it. I love it. Well, this really has been fascinating. And, you know, we didn't cover all this stuff in my notes. And so we really do have to, to, to do this again. And I look forward to that. But do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Hmm. Well, you know, it's such an exciting time. I mean, I know in a way we've, we've been through an ordeal with mm-hmm. COVID. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I, I just have this belief, you know, we, we hear about the, the the downsides of digital, you know, mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg being called before the Senate committee and all this stuff, <laughs> you know, and how social media is destroying our children and all that. And, and of course there's, there's downsides to everything, mm-hmm. but, but my view is I think that digital is a great force for good in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw that during COVID mm-hmm. and I think it connects people. It enables people to pursue their passions in mm-hmm. new ways to, to, to create businesses so much more easily. And, and that's just not mm-hmm. just about making money, but that's the spiritual endeavor of people right. figuring out how they can create value in the world. So I think um, I feel very privileged to live at this time. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's only accelerating. So I, I view the next decade with tremendous hope and optimism. So happy to be coming out of this, this sort of darker period mm-hmm. with COVID and, um, you know, I would encourage everyone to not feel in any way limited by where you can go with your businesses, because, you know, maybe there was a time when if you were a smaller business and you were dealing with giant enterprise clients for uh, giant enterprise competitors, mm-hmm. how could you ever compete? But now today with eBay and Etsy and Amazon mm-hmm. marketplace and Facebook and right. TikTok and all these ways to market mm-hmm. yourself and, you know, getting a cheap MailChimp account. And I mean, there's just so much you mm-hmm. can do publish your own book on Amazon. I mean, there's so many avenues that are available opportunity is so great. So, um, you know, I, I'm always encouraging everyone to make sure they see how much 
digital has opened opportunities for all of mm-hmm. us in the world. And I hope everyone takes full advantage. Great. I love it. I love it. Well, I have been having an absolutely fascinating conversation with Howard Tiersky. He is the author of Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance. Mm -hmm. So be sure and and check that out. Um, I am Deb Creer and everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.